Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. If you would get your Bibles, open up the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians will actually be in 9, but we're going to read through 8 because these two chapters chapters are connected to each other. They're connected to each other in the sense that the Apostle Paul is actually talking about his Christian liberty in both of these chapters. This first chapter talks specifically about Christian liberty. The ninth chapter, which is the next chapter up, it actually, he talks about how... the way that he views his liberty is actually implemented in life. Now, you've heard me say this before, and this is a fact, and this is meat, folks. This is not milk. Okay? Um, the Apostle Paul said all things are lawful. What do you mean by that? It means under grace you can't sin. That's what it means. Now, you can still do things that okay. But grace, what is it? It's God's unmerited favor. You enter into a relationship with Jesus, grace applies, right? If grace applies, does it just apply to your sins of today and yesterday, or does it also apply to your sins of tomorrow? Every single one of them. Yesterday, today, tomorrow. Now, just because in Christ I have the right to do anything that I want to, doesn't mean that I should. No. So when the Apostle Paul said all things are lawful, he also said, but not all things are profitable. Now, the liberty, liberty basically means you have a choice. Right? In these two chapters, he tries to draw home the point that our liberty should never be used for our enjoyment. But our liberty should always be used for others' enjoyment. In other words, I should be a recipient of the blessing of your liberties. And you should be a recipient of the blessings of mine. Got that? So, if all I want to do is things that are are, are profitable, that means everything that I want to do is positive. Right? Now, I have the choice to do things that are negative, too. That choice resides. I don't lose my salvation if I decide to make a choice that has a negative impact. But what's the purpose of saying that we're going to follow Jesus and doing things that are going to have a negative impact? Every Christian's heart's in the right place. Just because we know that we can get away with anything doesn't mean we want to. That's who we are as Christians. The Apostle Paul's talking an awful lot about that liberty in his own life and what that liberty looks like. And we're going to move as fast as we can. I'm going to try not to keep you late, I promise. We're going to read straight through chapter 8, so we just kind of kind of get the bulk of where, where the Apostle Paul is at. It says, Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone... Loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called 
gods, lowercase g, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, and whom, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. One Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom all things are all things, and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. But take care, lest, your liberty, lest this liberty of yours somehow becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And thus, by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes any brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again that I might not cause my brother to stumble. Now, the point that he's making in this is this. If I'm a Christian and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that relationship with Jesus Christ is encouraging me through life to make decisions that benefit other people. As a Christian, that's what it is. Benef make other people's life happier. Give them a blessing. Give them an encouragement. Give them, take the time to encourage, build up, strengthen. What we're not supposed to do as individuals is tear down. How many of you guys have ever um, been sitting with somebody and, and uh, you know what it is that the individual across the table from you is doing is wrong, but that individual is a Christian? In your own relationship, it would be wrong? Sit across the table from this person, this person decides that uh, they're going to whip out a cigarette and smoke it at the table. He said, preacher, that's not talking about food. Well, if you think this is talking about food, you missed it too. This isn't talking about food. It's talking about the position of a Christian's heart. It's about us being individuals who are aware of the fact that, yes, Jesus Christ gives us the right to do anything we want to, but he also builds in us through the Holy Spirit the structure that should be making those choices for the right reason. Now, I'll tell you what, Paul, I think, he, I think he went a little far there. I mean, honestly, I will never eat meat again. That's a stretch. I'm, I'll eat it in my house. But, I mean, if you knew, if you were going somewhere and eating in an idol's temple, because of the fact that you are strong enough that you know that there really is no such thing as an idol. You with me? How many gods are there? One. One. Well, I could actually become very proud about that fact, right? I'm just hungry. This is the only place that sells goat steak. So let's go have a goat steak. Well, hold on. There's, a, there's a, an idol out on the front porch. Ah, what's an idol to me? But then what we didn't think about was two blocks back is the dude that you just talked to about Jesus, who was somebody who lived his life bowing to idols. And while you're in there sitting at that table eating that steak, after you just told this guy that idols are wrong, 
and he comes strolling by, sees, sees you enjoying a goat steak at the local sacrifice to your idol goat market, what's the person you just talked to think? He's, he's weak. Of course he's going to draw from the weakness of the circumstance. It's the same thing with, do I think there's anything wrong with me going to a bar, sitting down, uh, sitting down at, a, at, at the bar? Is there anything wrong with that? There's not. Unless there's somebody, somebody there that's struggling with this, you know, Christians being in places that they don't seem like they should be. Does that mean that I don't go in the place? Of course it don't. It don't mean that I don't go in the place. But what it does mean that I don't go in the place, sit down, open a beer, and enjoy it with the people inside the bar. That's where the line's at. Because of the point that it touches your lips. And this is, this is the, when Jesus ate with the sinners and the publicans. Who had a problem with it? Pharisees had a problem with it. Uh, is Jesus sinless? So was he being a stumbling block by going in there and eating with those sinners and publicans? You aren't a stumbling block by being in a place. You're a stumbling block based on what you do. Because otherwise, where are Christians supposed to find the lost people? I'll tell you something. For years, we as churches, we honestly thought we would build these buildings and the lost people would just flood right in them all on their own. We live a life as Christians, and it's never fun to have to walk away from your stake at any given particular moment. Do you know what's also not fun? Keeping your mouth shut when you get something nice to say. It's not fun. We'd much rather have that satisfaction of digging into a person. That's satisfying to us. That's what we want, okay? Would Jesus let us do that? Well, he ain't going to let you do it easily. I mean, he's not going to stand back there and punish you if you do. Because all things are lawful, right? But all things aren't profitable. We should do the things we do for profit. I'll tell you something. Um, I can't get into it too much, but I can tell you that this trip to Montana was also a growing experience for me. I was put in a circumstance for the entire week that I did not want to be in. I knew I was going into it when I left. I did not want to be in it. I mean, honestly, I didn't even want to go because I knew this was circumstances for I was busy back here too, but God was telling me I needed to go. So it was an opportunity to stretch myself. Well, I had a choice to make. I could show up down there as the, the guy who is covered in grace and can make as many mistakes as he wants to and have as sad and bad of an attitude as I, as I possibly wanted to, I could have made life miserable for all of us for an entire week. I could have. And you know what the best part is? I could have justified it. I'm not talking about justifying it in my mind. I mean, in reality, I could have justified an attitude. But what positive would that have caused? You know, I filled out five exemptions for people, religious exemptions, and all five of them got accepted. And a friend of mine, who was the one who was actually looking at the exemptions, he called me up and he said, I want you to know that you said one thing, one thing that will 100% of the time uh, get this thing through. And I was like, what? He said, you pointed out Christian liberty. 
Jesus died for my right to make a choice. And religious institutions shouldn't be forcing their people to sin because of those matters of conscience. Because it's a matter of conscience. It's hard for me to even be able to counsel somebody anymore. Because individuals have a preconceived idea rolling around in their head that I'm going to, I guess, pick them up and slam them against the wall. I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure what exactly they think it is. That never been that kind of guy. <laughs> Somebody don't come in my office and tell me that they're stuck in a sin and me beat them down with my big old Thompson chain Bible. That's not what we do. Because it's not profitable. You don't, you don't try to hurt people who are already hurting more. You don't, you don't, I mean... It's one of those things that we approach very cautiously in life because the ramifications are serious ramifications. That is the day-to-day decision-making process that we as believers should be going through. This is what discernment is. I mean, how many times have you opened your mouth and said something to your spouse that the instant it came out, you wished you hadn't said it? Well, the truth is, if we had been individuals who thought with our brains and said, hey, what's going to be the response to this when it comes out of my mouth? Most of us wouldn't say it. Because even though Jesus won't hold it against you, he or she will. It's damaging to the relationship. But here's kind of the problem. Am I held to a higher standard than you? Hold on, I'm going to say this again. I want you to be very careful. Am I held to a higher standard than you are? Biblically, I am. The Bible says specifically that I as a pastor and as a teacher will stand before God and give an account of the things that were taught, the way that I led. Those things are going to be a fact. But, Yeah, I better not go there. If we, verse 13 says, Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. In other words, what's the purpose? The purpose is not to cause a brother to stumble. That doesn't mean that you're not going to cause a brother to stumble. If you're anything like me, a lot of times you're just walking along and there's just something you just didn't think would create that problem, but a problem's created. And So if you create a problem, what's the solution? Okay, so, so you use your liberty based on the decisions that you make, okay? You also use your, your liberties based on the response from other people based on the decisions you make. You with me? How far does liberty go in this whole process? If you put 10 people there, and those people was supposed to go through 10 people, how, how many people are affected by the liberty of the previous person? All of them. So, so here's, here's kind of one of those, how many of you guys have ever felt like you were spinning your wheels, working like crazy but gaining no ground? You ever, you ever feel that way? In Christianity, in Christianity, it's not about gaining ground. In our own personal relationship with Jesus, it's about gaining ground. It's about the advancement forward. But it can't be about that when we're dealing with other people. Because you've heard me ask this question a million times. I've been a senior pastor for 21 years. I've been, uh, I've been a Christian for 35, 36. Is it fair for me to look at a two-year-old Christian or someone who just accepted Christ and say, I expect you to live to my standard? 
Because if I said, you know what, my standard's the standard, and everybody else who comes up uh, comes up behind me or comes into this church, I'm the standard. You better meet it. Is that encouraging or discouraging? There's no way, no other way to explain it than to say discouraging. So the use of my liberty means that there are some cases that I would normally jump in with both feet that God's telling me don't jump into that yet. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Sometimes you get tired of hearing it. Wait, 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 hold it, hold it, wait. Because I'll tell you something that will, I'll tell you something that will drive people out of the church faster than anything else. Offend them. Offend them. We've gone, we've gone uh, full tilt sensitive in this country. Full tilt. Doesn't mean that we're not going to offend people. Doesn't mean the gospel's not going to offend people. But it does mean that we ought to be people who are mindful enough to realize that the things that we say and do have the power to offend people. And that we don't want to be someone who's getting in the way of that individual's journey, but we want to be someone who is actually going to be a stepping stone or a platform for those individuals as they continue to grow. But see, the people back then, they looked at individuals in the, in the church, the Apostle Paul, and they held them to a much higher standard. Let me ask you something. What does the higher standard between me and God have to do with you? And in reality, strip the title. How is your Christianity any different than mine? Because in reality, I'm going to give an account for the kind of pastor that I am. It's going to happen. I'm, I've dealt with that issue already. But do you really think that you're not going to stand before God and give an account too? You see, the difference is he's, he's going to hold me accountable to the standard which I was called. And he's going to hold you accountable to the standard which you were called. And not everybody's standards exactly the same. Some are pastors, some are preachers, some are evangelists, some are teachers. The gifts that God gave people are vast, but I can tell you whether the person has a teaching position or not, their relationship shouldn't be producing a fear because we're supposed to do what God told us to. We should literally be walking around, leading with our heart like Jesus did, do you ever think about the three years that Jesus walked around on this planet? How many people did? How many people who were genuinely hurting did he turn away? How many did he condemn? Church doesn't need to be in that business because Jesus wasn't that business. It's easy, folks. I tell you what, I carried I, to Montana. I carried weight, and and I'll be honest with you, God knew. I mean, this was. Because we're talking about things that's been going on for seven years. And things I've wrestled with. And things that I just refuse to forgive a dude over. Never had an apology. Never had... But God begins to deal with us. In, in this whole trip, he's telling me, I don't care what that person did. And I don't care what that person's doing now. And I don't care how that affected you in the past. You don't do what you do for you. How many of you guys like to be told to calm down by another person who's out of control? 
one of the one of the most aggravating things as a Christian for me to deal with. I can tell you this. I seem to be the one that God holds to the standard. And then all the other people I have problems with, God doesn't hold them to the standard. So how does it work out for you when somebody walks up to you and says, hey, you know what? You're just going to have to get over it. Every fiber of my being does not want to get over it. Every fiber of my being wants, as a human, this individual to pay a price. As far as I'm concerned, as a human, he deserves it. Pesky Holy Spirit, though. He wouldn't let me get away with saying anything mean. He provided me opportunities to explain myself. He provided me with opportunities to have conversations about, hey, this is where I'm at. This is why I'm where I'm at. And it's a journey coming out. It's not happening very fast because the Lord's dealing with me. He's dealing with me. I haven't been back to an executive board meeting in like five months. Because it got so bad that I'm sitting there thinking, I, I leave these meetings aggravated as all get out. I am no good to my church. I am no good to me. I'm no good to my wife. I'm no good to nobody. When I am leaving that meeting so angry. And the Lord already told me before I left for the trip that I was going to be going to the executive board meeting on the 10th this month. So trying to deal with that on top of then having to spend a week with somebody that I just had not gotten along with. But I'll tell you something. I was prayerful. Discerning. Kind. And it was actually a pleasant week. There was no awkward silence. There was no no uh, scrapping back and forth, no throwing little verbal punches. None of that went on. And honestly, after me not wanting to go and me throwing a fit in my heart over it, now God's telling me to call this guy and invite him to lunch. Everything in that scenario, I could justify to myself. Then I could even, even though he already fully understood it, I could explain it to God. I could justify it. I have a, I have a good reason to have an attitude. But you know what I kept hearing God tell me, ask me? Yeah, but where's he at with Jesus? Do you know what's going on in his life? He's a pastor too. That one got me. It got me. When he said, he's a pastor too, it cut me to the quick. Because all the differences that I may have had with this guy, he puts up with the same stuff that I do on a daily basis. He really is intending to help people. We disagree on how we do that. Is that worth something to have an enemy over? No. This life and our liberty 
it's as much about us as it is about anyone else. Because when our liberty is used correctly, we have the ability to see through the eyes of Jesus at the need that's around us. How far off was I when I come walking out of that church in Montana thinking, we've got nothing we can do here. This church pretty well established. There's nothing we can do. Alan, <clears throat> he, didn't, he didn't hear the conversation I first had with Lee. He said the exact same thing I did. He's like, yeah, I don't know why we come back out here. I don't know what we could do. Church is in pretty good shape. But as soon as we both found out the big vision of the thing, don't ever allow your knowledge to push you to the point of assuming authority over anyone. Never be nonchalant about the things that you know that we have the freedom to do. It's important when people watch us, it's important what it, what, what it is that they see. And that means just like Jesus, when we're whipped, we don't cry. We don't cry out. We don't make it end. When we're mocked, we don't speak in a word crossways. When we're questioned, we speak of one thing and one thing only. Jesus Christ and him crucified. The opportunities that we have in life, they are affected by your liberty and the way that you use it. You have the right to walk past someone and not share the gospel? You do. Remember what Jesus told Peter? He says, I have given you the keys to Hades and to heaven. To whom you unlock it, it will be unlocked. And to whom you do not unlock it, it will not be unlocked. The personal responsibility of an individual to trust in Christ only comes if the personal responsibility of a Christian to share Christ comes first. And we won't do it unless we can see that they're on fire. We won't do it unless we see with our eyes what the impact of those things are. And we know for a fact that what I'm standing up here saying is true. Because everyone in here has said something they wish they hadn't have once it came out of their mouth. And sometimes there are already severe consequences for it. But with my particular liberty, and the Apostle Paul goes through one of his examples, I'll say this in closing, you can read chapter 9 if you want to, but one of his examples was this. He says, do I not have the right to eat and drink? Do I not have the right to take on, just like the other apostles, a, a believing wife? Do I not have the right to come in and labor for you and you pay me for it? But then he goes on to say, but I didn't come in here and charge you anything. You see his point? His point is I have the right to be paid by you to serve spiritually in your community. I have that right. In other words, why is a farmer farm? <clears throat> to get paid. Why does anybody go to work? I mean, compensation is something that's necessary if somebody's going to put that time. So Paul's going, I am worthy of a paycheck from you. But when I came here, I didn't ask for it. 
What he was saying was, I have the liberty to demand a salary. That is a choice of mine to expect that. But because your circumstances were what they were, your church is brand spanking new. I didn't want to do anything to harm your church. So I came in here and I floated the bill. I paid for my food. I paid for my housing. I paid for my stuff. So, so his point in chapter 9 is, I used my liberty that I could have claimed what I have right to, but instead I used it to submit that right so that it would not create an undue burden on a church that was brand new and starting. This is the sacrifice. This is the sacrifice. The sacrifice is you have the liberty to do whatever you want to, but Jesus really only wants you to do one of the two. You get that? You have the liberty to do whatever you want to, but Jesus only wants you to do one of the two choices. And that's what should be motivating us. Have you ever heard the, <clears throat> the phrase pushing buttons? You guys have any button pushers in your, in your family? The people who just like know where the aggravation's at and they can dig in it quickly? Think back to those circumstances. How could you have changed it had you been aware and used your liberty the way that it was supposed to be? And it's, again, not so much about what you did yesterday that you can't get back, okay? This is about us as individuals understanding what it is that Christ has brought to us and the way that we use it to get the most out of it. When, when God told us to make the most of the time that we have left, he was not talking about just making the most of the, the hands spinning around on a clock, Make the most of the time that we have left. Years ago, I used to make the mistake of going, I'm going to knock on doors every Tuesday. Ten of them a week. That's my goal. And one day God goes, why not 20? And what's wrong with Wednesday? How about five? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Or how about two on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? And it was God telling me, you have got your liberty cinched up so tight, making the choices that you've made that you've, you've compartmentalized yourself into your entire week. And I had Tuesdays from 9 in the morning till noon, I'm going to knock on doors and hang flyers. And God's going, yeah, because I clock out. The hardest thing for us to do as a believer, and this is it, is no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The transformation process from a natural fallen human being to a Christian, it's not an easy transformation. But we as Christians who are mature, individuals who have been at this for a while, we should be miracle grow to the church that God gave us. Not gasoline. I have a plant that I got from my coach, <clears throat> my coach's funeral. The funniest thing about that plant was doing all right until I accidentally forgot it outside a couple weeks ago when it froze. All the leaves on the outside turned kind of brown and are falling off. And so I began taking water to it every day. And when it warmed up, I would take it outside and let it sit in the sunlight. 
And I began to notice that underneath all of those damaged leaves, there was these really bright green leaves that were starting to pop out of the bottom. Just see how it lasts. Give it water one time, put it out in the sun. It ought to be fine, right? Got to take care of it. And it falls under the guise of everything that we as Christians have been asked to do. Yeah. Occasionally we're going to be in a place that we shouldn't have been and our leaves are going to get a little dried out and burnt. But there should always be new growth. And that new growth should be producing in individuals. And God, the Holy Spirit, can he make us, can he help us to see things we wouldn't see otherwise? Yes. But the Holy Spirit in us does the same thing for everybody else around us. So the question is, when it comes to my liberty, who is, who is it that I'm really trying to please? Me? Or others? And it doesn't matter who the others are. I can tell you this I have never felt more free over what's been going on the last seven years than what just happened the end of this week and it's sweet to be in that place again <laughs> it's sweet to be in that place again I can promise you this if you ever back out you will influence no one If you ever use your liberty the way that God did not intend you to, then you'll always be damaging to other individuals, slowing the growth of individuals in their own faith. The use of our liberty is for the praise of Jesus Christ. Just as everyone in this place right now has an opportunity within their own liberty, to make a choice. If the Holy Spirit pushes you my way, don't hold on to your pew. Come and see me. I can't save you, but I'll spend whatever time is necessary to make sure that you know the one that can. If you're here today and you're a believer, this is, this is not a sprint. Life, Christianity, it's not a sprint. Nobody has arrived all of us, no matter how immature or mature you may be as a Christian, every one of us make mistakes. We blow it. Jesus gave us grace and he gave us forgiveness so that when we do blow it, by genuinely trying to be who he wants us to be, that we can get right back up and get moving again. We don't have to carry any guilt over our past. We don't have to carry any, any weight whatsoever over our past. Jesus just says, from this point forward... Be aware that liberty is not something that you just have. Liberty is something that you use many times a day. When you use it, who's benefiting? Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link, with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music
provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons. <laughs>